Welcome to a very special episode of the Big Show Interview Podcast. I am your host, Ron Robinson. Welcome. I'm just going to get right to it. Big day in Lansing yesterday. Thousands of protesters converged on the state capitol to protest Governor Whitmer's executive orders. Simultaneously, and probably more important, the state House and Senate were in session working on and then passing a couple of pieces of legislation to discuss this. I've asked Representative Doug Wozniak from the 36th District to join us. Doug, it's been a crazy 24 hours. How are you, sir? Well, Ron, it's... uh Great to be talking with you. I always enjoy having conversations with you. Likewise, it's always uh, you're always the voice of reason in the room. That's what I like about you. Uh, thank you. So before we discuss the bills you guys passed yesterday, what impact, if any, did the protesters have on lawmakers yesterday? You guys had to know they were there, no? Oh yeah, they uh, they made quite a bit of noise. Uh, they made their presence known, and I I would say that uh, we ended up doing what they thought it should have been done a couple of weeks ago and uh, not extending any of the governor's powers for the lockdown that we've got going. And to that point, could you fill us out on the two pieces of legislation that you guys passed yesterday? What, what was the what was the first bill? Well, uh, we had a Senate bill and we had a House bill. The House bill was just a vehicle to make sure that uh, the Senate bill would go through. And in the Senate bill, we incorporated a lot of the things that the governor had already put into her executive orders, but we codified them into a statute. So we were trying to work with the governor, but we weren't going to give her any more time on her power as she thought it was under the uh, 1945 Act. That's the Emergency Power Act and the 1976 Emergency Management Act. So there's a difference in the rules there a bit, but mostly that the legislature is the only one that can allow for an expansion after 28 days. And we're not going to do that now. We had offered our hand. We made plenty of offers to work with her, and she refused. By you guys doing that, Doug, you know, yesterday's legislation has created some confusion. Some say because her extended powers were denied that they believe that these bills essentially negate the governor's quarantine order that was slated to expire May 15th, making Michigan back open for business, I guess effective today, May 1st. But this confusion was compounded when Governor Whitmer returned serve to you guys late last night, signing three evening, uh, excuse me, signing three more executive orders, one of which will extend closures for many businesses through the end of May. Can you shed some light on this? Is Michigan open? Well, there's still orders in place. The, the bills that we had passed actually codified some of the orders that the governor had given and set dates for them, very definite dates. Now, the, the parameters for the emergencies and disasters are any type of executive order has to be reasonable and it has to be temporary in nature. And that's so that there's no violation of civil rights or constitutional rights. So going forward, the governor thinks that she can put more orders out there. And right now, I think the only way that that's going to really be decided is through the third branch of government. You know, we're trying to have three branches of government work together. You know, the executive, the legislative, and the judicial. So maybe the judicial would have to come in. We did give authority to our speaker to file a suit, if necessary, to resolve the issue. So if we do... We'll go into court and see how it comes out. Right now, the governor has the power to do what she wants to do. So essentially, the three executive orders she signed last night are in effect, including the one that says she doesn't need your approval to extend her powers. Am I am I understanding that correctly? Right. That's what she's saying, that she doesn't need her power. But I'm not going to advise anybody to break the law. Follow the law. If she believes that that is the law, then that's where we're at right now. But I think it really needs to be adjudicated. 
Well, that was my next question I, I was going to ask because, you know, the governor previously asked for extended powers for another 28 days. And of course, as we just discussed, you guys said no. And now she's saying that she doesn't need approval from the Capitol. Many would say if she doesn't need approval, why does she ask for it? Is this tyranny or is this within her rights as a governor? Well, I, I wouldn't call it tyranny. The legislature as a whole offered her cooperation. We wanted really to work with her, and she refused. I, I know you made a, a comment last week, but I want to uh, read something that Pete Lacido, your counterpart in the Senate, re- wrote, uh, published today, and I want you to get at your comments if I could. He said, uh, quote, the facts no longer support the necessity of a mass statewide quarantine. Instead of talking about how much longer to keep everyone locked in their homes, we should be working on, uh, working together rather, to find a balance between concerns for public health, the economy, and our constitutional rights. Uh, Lacido goes on to say that while one life lost is the virus uh, to the virus is too many, a million of our fellow Michiganders are without work because of the state's response. Unfortunately, he says the governor has rejected and mocked the legislature's good faith efforts to work together. Do you agree with you agree with Mr. Lacido here, Doug? Particularly, what he said is that we made some good faith efforts to try and work with her to establish a ground rule for going forward. We made offers of it one week, two weeks you know, begin to open up the state because we have to look at what can happen to this state if we go into an economic downturn. We can't do that. You know, we're looking at upwards of $4 billion of loss. I'm just throwing that figure out. I don't know how close it is, but in our budget next year because of this pandemic. So when you look at that $4 billion, we were all of a sudden thinking about education. We're talking about roads. We're talking about Department of Human Services. All those things are going to be affected. So That's got to be resolved going forward one way or the other. And the longer we stay in this economic lockdown, we're going to have greater problems. This isn't the first time that Governor Whitmer has crossed with state lawmakers. A lot of people might not remember this, but earlier this year, rather than present her budget to lawmakers, she released it through the press. And then earlier this week, Governor Whitmer leaked email communications between her office and the state majority leader, Mike Shirkley. Is this is this normal behavior from the governor or is this just politics? Well, I, I think when you go into negotiations, you try and keep them confidential. That's the only way that you get forward. So when you leak email to the press, it kind of defeats the purpose of the negotiation. And you're, you're more or less telling the person you're negotiating with, well, forget it. I don't want to talk to you anymore. So I, I think that slams that door. As I mentioned earlier, Governor Whitmer signed three more executive orders last night. Uh, the first one terminates the existing state of emergency and disaster declaration inter- issued under the Emergency Management Act, Executive Order 2023. She also signed one that extended businesses like restaurants and casinos closed through May 28th. What's your response to those executive orders that she signed last night, Doug? Well, it's, a, it's the same as before. You know, she believes that she has the power to do that under the law. And I'm not going to advise people to break the law. But I think we have to look at certain restrictions that were in place. She's saying she terminated them and now is reinstating some of those re- restrictions. And as the legislature now, when we offered to help her, put out our hand and said, okay, we'll work together. She declined. Getting to the optics of this because we can't ignore the optics of this. I mean, if you look on social media, you have the group that are demanding their rights stop being violated. Then you have a group that uh, think those folks are are off the rocker and we should just stay home and do as we're told. Well, I, I will say that most of the people that I have in my district believe that the restrictions 
are too tight. And when you begin to look at their ideas of how to live in America, and I, I would say most of the people in my area are like this, they, they want to be able to do what they want to do within limitation, of course, of the, of the law. And they feel that the governor is overstepping the bounds. Well, and you know, and, and I think it depends who you pose the question to. Some, you know, my friend the other day asked me if I, if, you know, what I thought was right. And I was like, well, you're asking the wrong guy. He says, what do you mean? I was like, I've been fortunate. Uh, my wife has, you know, she works in healthcare, so she's continued to work. So we continue to have that paycheck. But what about the people that not only live paycheck to paycheck, but what about those people that live paycheck to paycheck that don't have a line of credit and haven't gotten their unemployment yet? What do you say to those guys? Stay home and shut up? I mean, it's, yeah. it, it, we should be more, I think, more empathetic towards people who may not be in the same situation as you. I think what's compounded the situation at the current time is the lack of organization in the unemployment office and the frustration that people are feeling when they call a hundred times, 400 times, a thousand times, and then try to get through for 10 days and don't even get into a, a chat room or an answer email. I think that'd be very, very frustrating. So in my office, we work with people that are very frustrated. They call the office. We try and work with the unemployment office. So far, we've closed 36 out of 154. and We'll keep on working on it. But I think that's compounded the situation that we've got with the, the COVID virus and the lockdown. Governor Whitmer is scheduled to address the state at 3, 3 o'clock today, Doug. What do you expect her to say, and what do you hope she says? You know, right now, I think she's going to reaffirm her position. That would be my thought. It's in explaining her new orders that went out last night and this morning. Um, that's as far as I think she'll comment. And, of course, uh, you know, the report on the number of COVID cases and some other news going forward. I haven't seen her address the economic situation in the state, except for perhaps there might be some regionalization and a breakout of different businesses in certain areas of the state. But then can you consider that to be fair to people that don't break out? I mean, that won't be able to open their businesses. I think everybody should be treated equally. Yeah, I can't even imagine living in the UP and, and having, the, you know, I mean, they don't have much of a spread up there, and they're 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 shut down just like uh, the Tri-County area here in southeast Michigan. Well, As, I'm sympathetic to all the people in the state, you know, no matter where they live. I think these shutdowns should be reasonable and temporary. We've gone over the border. So I, but again, I think all the residents of the state should be treated equally. Well, Doug, what's next? What can we expect for businesses like restaurants and bars, casinos, and other highly affected businesses? When, when, when should we realistically expect those places to get back to normal, if they ever will? Will they ever be normal? Well, yeah, that's a crystal ball question, Ron. I, I don't have that crystal ball, but I would say that people would be hesitant to go out. Uh, they would feel that their safety might be compromised at the current time. But then again, I know that there are people out there that are very inventive and they're going to be very successful at coming out of this paradigm. I would like to think that eventually we'll get back to normal. Is it going to be soon? No, I think it'll be a gradual uptick. All right. So the good news is this this crisis will eventually end. But as the uh, as the state rep, Doug, what are your goals post COVID-19 for the remainder of 2020? You've had to have uh, things on your itinerary before this. What, what are you looking for for the rest of the year to get done? Uh, well, I've been involved in elder abuse laws. Right now I'm working on a child care package and also a package for school age children so that we can monitor children as they go through school and look for adverse childhood experiences and be able to work with children until they graduate out of the 12th grade where we won't have 
so many children with depression and suicide or violence on their mind when they finally get out of the high school. So hopefully we're going to improve that as we go along and take it from kindergarten to 12th grade. We've also put in some uh, foster care laws to try and revamp that system, and we're going to continue doing that. Of course, we have the auto no-fault rolling out in the middle of the year. I think there's going to be some tinkering with that as we go forward. Uh, then we have the budget situation, which is going to take a lot of our time because we're going to have to try and figure out what to do with this $4 billion hole. Doug, I can't thank you enough for joining me today and shedding some light on what was happening there in Lansing. Thank you so much, sir. Ron, it's always a pleasure talking with you. Thank you for the invitation. Thanks again, Doug, and thank you for tuning in for the Big Show Interview Podcast. I'm Ron Robinson asking you to get and stay connected for our next episode. Until then, take care of each other.